Hey, revolutionaries, and welcome to another episode of the Reparenting Revolution podcast. This podcast is all about the healing of the collective through the healing of the individual. My intention for this podcast is to bring you actionable tools, tips, and methodologies for creating internal micro-revolutions in order to create the massive revolutionary shift we all need in this world on a macro level. This revolution that I am campaigning is one of mental health. It is about doing the real work to face our traumas, get out of victim mentality, and into self-responsibility, and heal the wounded inner child within all of us. It is creating revolutions within ourselves to become the light we wish to see. This is the Reparenting Revolution. Now, today's podcast episode is my first interview that I've done with my dear friend, William Burnett, who is an excellent breathwork coach, and I'll tell you a bit more about him in a minute. Unfortunately, I had some audio issues with my microphone throughout this process, so there's a bit of a cut and paste situation going on with the editing of this podcast, and you might hear some crackling noises. For the most part, I did my best to re-record, edit over, and cut out the difficult audio, but if that is a di- if you experience any of the difficult audio, I'm very sorry, and I will work towards improving my quality in the future. Thank you so much, and enjoy the episode. Today, I am interviewing my dear friend, William Burnett. William is a breathwork practitioner and healer based out of Australia. He is currently co-creating several businesses which apply breathwork, psychology, and metaphysical education for all to heal past, present, and future trauma. He is a father of four, a wonderful, loving husband, and mental health advocate. William is a dear member of my Lightworker tribe and has held space for me and brought me closer to little Sammy and abundant love on several occasions. I am a devoted user of his BreathCast app, and I am so excited for you all to experience his wisdom. Thanks so much, Bill, for joining us today. So my first question for you is, tell us about your revolution. Woo, this is exciting. Thank you so much for having me, Sammy. Um, yes, and it has been an absolute honor to be part of your tribe and you are part of mine and this uh experience that we are co-creating called life together has been wonderful and i'm very very excited about this revolution that we take together um my revolution is unreasonable as all get out i want to heal the world from trauma and i want to do it applying conscious breath work not in the way that the Western uh, civilization has predominantly uh, created a framework for, which is rigid and outdated. Uh, I want to utilize current methodologies from all across the globe with different points and levels of medicine, music being one, uh, psychology being another, simple uh, application of plant medicines and, and the like, and connectiveness through tribe, right? Like I want to, I want to be able to explore what it is to be completely human with each other, not just ourselves. And there's a deep level of healing that lay in that environment and that foreground. And I wake up each day curious as to how deep we can go with that. I love all of that. So cool. You know, Bill, there's something that you said about the 
how we're seeing things being done in, you know, the Western world. And I'm curious, what is it that you're seeing? Because I think we all have various narratives around what is happening in Western society, medicine, um, healing modalities, et cetera. So I'm curious what it is you're seeing and what it is that you want to see shift within that. Mm, I, uh, I imagine that at this point, anybody and everybody who is attempting to do something or bring something good to the world has great intentions. Um, but I also imagine there is a level of education that needs to be present in order to create uh, a good shift. And currently, the, the topic I'll speak to or the narrative I'll speak to is breathwork. Uh, being a breathwork practitioner, I've experienced uh, several modalities from across the board. Um, and there's this conversation about method versus method and which one's the right one. Uh, my personal experience and my personal uh, advice is that there isn't the right one. The right one is going to be the one that helps the person and guides them to where they are searching or where they are looking to go. And it's not outcome driven. I want to be clear on that as well. It's not outcome driven. Now, by starting that conversation of saying, you know, there are good intentions there, but we lack education is to say, you know, people are experiencing breathwork all over the globe in different areas. You know, my first ever experience was on the tail end of an ayahuasca journey, and I never even experience, uh, expected it to happen. But the, the breathwork session that I did post ayahuasca was almost, if not as potent as the medicine ceremony I had been with Aya. And so it come out of nowhere. So for me, that popped up and my curiosity then led on to uh, apply myself to all areas of education. I invested all of my money and my time into learning as much about breathwork as I could. But I don't imagine that to be true for everybody. I imagine that some people experience it and they're like, oh, wow, I did this fantastic experience with breathwork and now I want to do it all the time. I'll go to YouTube and I'll type in breathwork on YouTube. Now, unfortunately... Uh, the highest search term for breathwork on YouTube is the Wim Hof method. Now, I want to be clear when I say this, because I know it's going to be controversial, but it's doing more harm than it is good. Wim Hof method is doing more harm than it is good. Uh, and the reason is because it is so accessible and our society is so upregulated and already in a state of survival that we don't need to be doing those types of breathwork protocols. Are they needed? Yes, they have a place. Is Wim Hof a fantastic human being? Yes, he is extraordinary. He's extraordinary in his own individual story. He is extraordinary in what he has brought forward uh, with the technology of breathwork from, from, uh, uh, from a historical standpoint to now because Wim Hof method is not a brand new breathing protocol. It's called TUMO breathing, T-U-M-O, and uh, monks have been doing it for centuries. In fact, they've been doing it to increase the amount of heat uh, present in the body so that they can survive colder climates and expand consciousness by doing so. Uh, now, what Wim Hof has brought to the Western society is an understanding that we can create a new level of consciousness or we can create this narrative of expansion through breath work. Unfortunately, uh, being the consumerists that we are as humans, we've gone, okay, cool. Well, I'm just going to do that every single day. And I'm going to see so many benefits. I'm going to have transcendental experiences and I'm going to turn into this guru. Now, uh, what the nervous system doesn't appreciate is uh, this level of application of breath work every single day when already upregulated by several other lifestyle factors. And I'd love to dive into them, Sammy, because I, I imagine we will. These lifestyle factors are not just, you know, 
maybe domestic households or environments, we're talking about news and media. We're talking about, uh, you know, false information and false guidance from people that we would consider to be leaders in our, in our current um, society. We're talking about the increase of uh, our, our economic health. How do we even buy houses anymore? How do we even invest in things anymore? How do we survive on this nine to five corporate salary that I've put myself? Like there are so many lifestyle factors that upregulate us before we go type Wim Hof Method into YouTube and spend 30 days thinking that we're doing more good than we are harm. Unfortunately, that's not the case. I love everything you just said. And I have to say, I've experienced it personally. Um, you know, I've been in this healing space, if you will, light worker space for a few years now and come across that breath work before, but it was, but I always left feeling hyped in a way that I, as somebody with an upregulated nervous system with like previously diagnosed anxiety, I knew that it wasn't right for me. And it wasn't until I did breath work with you that I recognized, oh, I'm feeling different things in different parts of my body that I was unaware of before. And breath is allowing me to come to it. So I firsthand totally hear, validate, and I'm excited to hear more about what, about what you're about to say. I would love to hear more about this upregulated society. I think it, that is the conversation we're having here, right? This, our nervous systems have been hijacked by fear, by our cell phones, by the news cycle, by false information. And what's interesting is you live across the world. So we're each experiencing this similar societal upregulated nervous system, both as we've talked about the macro level and the micro level, and we're on opposite sides of the dang planet. So I would love for you to speak more into that and into um, what you're seeing with your clients and how breathwork is taking your, the, the breathwork that you're teaching is taking them to that next level of a downregulated nervous system. Yeah, that's, uh, it is the common uh, symptom, if you will, that I, I have been seeing uh, not only in my students or my clients, but uh, interact, excuse me, interacting in society. I see it uh, as, as present as anything else. And I was uh, literally having a conversation with our good friend, Ryan Sprague, uh, you know, no more than an hour ago about this uh, left side dominant brain that society lives in. Now that's what we know, Sammy, you know, we've, we've been born and raised into a society that lives on the rigidity of uh, you go to school, you do what you're told at school, you get your school accreditation equivalent universally across the world you leave school you do the university or the or the college you get the job you stay in the job and so on and so forth there's there's this rigidity and infrastructure that's been put in place which is outdated now there are levels of behaviors uh psychologically that stem out from that um pirates that have attempted to go do something a bit more of an outlier way uh that have come to a screaming halt because society said, no, that's too far. You need to come back. And so this level of upregulation is stemming from a level of conditioning that has been undiagnosed or at least untreated in this sense. Um, now in the same conversation that I had this morning with Ryan is um, the, the, the incredible Dr. Gabor Mate, who uh, talks to uh, the idea of healing trauma. And I had very, 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 if not similar, exactly the same views of trauma and healing trauma. Um, 
he talks about and has studied the research in um, Holocaust survivors passing on trauma through bloodlines, uh, through narratives, right? Through stories, through conditioned behaviors, not necessarily predisposition of having a gene that's going to say that you're going to get this sickness. But it is to say that um, the stuff we compartmentalized centuries ago is now becoming present in the bloodlines that we see today because it has been untreated for so long. And it's as simple as this, Sammy. We, we take the, the male demographic. I imagine that if I grabbed, uh, real quickly, I did an inventory of this sidewalk here along the beach. There's a lot of older gentlemen, 40 plus, And I grabbed, let's say, 10 to 15, 45-plus-year-old gentlemen. What percentage of those men do you think are going to be happy to talk about their feelings? I would be very uh, assuming in saying that 10%. And I would say the 10% would be happy to do it because of a couple of reasons. One, uh, they're becoming very aware of where society is going because of people like ourselves who are leading that and carrying that torch forward. And two, the second thing would be the influence that my energy has on people and the way that I can make people feel like they want to talk about their feelings. Sounds a bit like I'm floating my own boat, but it is a general uh, metaphysical characteristic that we need to recognize as part of what we do. Now, that in itself, I take 10 to 15 men and ask them if they'd be happy to talk about their feelings. They're going to say no. That is current and present everywhere in society. And so that is passed on generation to generation to generation until someone goes, I've had enough of feeling this way. And actually, the way that you've behaved for the last 30, 40, 50 years is actually physically creating health irregularities in my system because of that. Right? And we're not speaking to it enough. We're tiptoeing around it and we're creating these self-development tools in order to explore it. There are less courageous souls out there going, you know what? No, we, we need to start having this conversation out in the open. We need to start talking about these things so that society changes because we need to change. What do you think that change needs to be? There's, there's, there's a few morbid things that, I, that come to mind straight away is there are some things that have an expiration date people included and i imagine that those use by dates uh, are coming to an end that's an unfortunate and morbid thing to say i i appreciate that in itself but um in order for something to change things have to change and we have to now incorporate and encourage new ways of living and connecting with each other we need to nurture and encourage the fact that as humans we're not built for this rigidity of left brain society. We're not built to sit in a classroom for eight hours a day and get told what to do. We're experiential creatures. You know, we work with our hands, we feel with our hearts, we smell, we have all these senses in order to learn. We're not built to sit in the classroom. We're not essentially built to be in monogamous relationships all the time. And so the encouragement of being able to explore one's sexuality or the parameters of all relationships should be encouraged. The activity of being able to connect with someone in public without the sense of being judged by self and by others, you know, that, that should be encouraged. There's so many different ways that we can start to explore um, what can and could be okay. Uh, one that I've stumbled across uh, more, more recently in myself, in my relationships, is being in this okay, not even okay, I want to I replace that word, being in this situation where it is non-negotiable that I am able to say to you, Sammy, I love you and actually mean it without all the other attachments that society thinks needs to be on that, right? 
a man saying that to another woman, it, it should be okay for us to say that. And it is, it's non-negotiable to me. You know, if I love somebody, I'm going to tell them and they're going to feel it. Right. But it doesn't mean that Sammy, I believe you and I should be in a relationship and explore intimacy in this way. It means that two people love each other because they see each other and they feel each other and they hear each other and they sense each other. Uh, that's the deeper level of connection that I am excited about, uh, you know, mentoring my children into practicing it myself, sharing it with you and our tribe. Like that's what excites me. And that's the level to which I think we need to start making changes. Bill, I love what you were saying about both sexual intimacy and, you know, emotional intimacy. And as a woman who has experienced, um, I'll say interactions with a lot of unsafe men. And I've now been dropped into the middle of this beautiful community of many, many safe men where I am able to explore what it means to be emotionally intimate with somebody without it being sexually intimate and without it being about partnership or about what am I going to get from this person? It's just about holding space with somebody of another sex or another gender. Um, I'm eternally grateful for that. And I'm curious when you were able to start that process for yourself. When did that unfold? Um, what's the story behind it? It was a matter of being able to let go of past experiences, forgive self, forgive uh, the way I previously showed up in an effort to learn and create more space for the new way that I wanted to show up. Now, growing up, I wasn't necessarily... Um, uh, exposed to a lot of men that I would consider um, heart-centered or uh, showing love or showing up in the way that I do now. And so, you know, you can imagine the result of not being exposed to that is the opposite, right? That, that's what I knew. And that's how we're taught as even in our most developmental years, our first 10,000 days to which we are forming this consciousness or this, this psyche, we are learning from our first or initial five degrees of influence. And, and for me, um, I, I grew up in an alpha dominant uh, environment where it was like succeed or else um, be the top player or you're not, or, you know, don't show emotions because it's weak or um, over-sexualize women because that's what you need to do as a man. And so when I got to the place in myself where I was heartbroken and, and devastated in recognizing that, not necessarily being a part, but recognizing that I was a part of it, I was devastated. That was a level of disconnect and disassociation I never wanted to experience again. And so to heal that part of myself was to say like, all right, well, what do I want to see in myself? What do I want to see reflected out of others? You know, And even, even to that point, you were just saying then about you know, the sexual intimacy, I've gotten to a point now where I'm comfortable and safe enough as a man to appreciate, even if I am sexually attracted to somebody else, man, female, whatever, it doesn't matter. It is me seeing myself in others and being curious about, okay, why? Why do I love the way that Sammy smiles? Is it because when she smiles, she sends this energy and it touches my heart and I feel fulfilled? Yes, that is accurate. But also it's because you smile and you mean it. And I, I like that. And I, and I see that as, okay, well, when I smile and I mean it, I see in other people what I feel in myself when I see you. And so where it's this constant learning of being like, 
I am learning about what I love about myself, what I want to let go about myself and where I want to show up for myself. And it happens by being in and around where you feel safe, where you see, where you are seen, right? Like, and that's our tribe. Like when we're in our tribe, we, we feel you can talk to any of the men and women in our tribe and know that they will go, I'm going to listen. I'm going to sit here and hold space for you. And at the end of it, you're either going to get tough love or we're going to, it's going to turn into a cuddle puddle and that's cool. You know, like that's, that's the beauty of it. This healing of trauma and looking at our programming, what we were taught as a kid, what were our parents taught and how we can change that. This version of us is constantly being reflected back at us. The reality we see externally is a reflection of our internal reality. And, you know, Bill, I've experienced that firsthand with the fears that I've been feeling and that I've been seeing all around me show up. And a lot of the answer for me is getting in touch with little Sammy, something you and I have talked about extensively. So Bill, bringing this back to reparenting, when did you meet little William? I was shown him when I met my wife, Cass. You know, we, um, I had been married for 11 years prior to, to Cass and this relationship was not healthy at all you know we weren't healthy with each other we weren't um, authentically um, showing up as the people that we said we would Um, there was a lot of stress and anxiety around having to remain in the relationship because of the expectation of family and parents and idea of religion in some sense as well excuse me and so when I met Cass First of all, I, was, I am not the same person as I am today when I met Cass. I was, we were looking back on photos the other day and talking about what we used to talk about and we are completely different people now. But we are for a good reason because we gave each other permission to essentially you know, just put it all out on the table. Just be like, this is who I am. And this was five years ago this happened. I met Cass in the Middle East. We were both deployed. She was in the US Air Force. I was in the Australian Air Force and we, we met, we were like the most unlikely, not each other's type, type situation. And we somehow found each other. And when we put it all out on the table and said, this is who I am and, and I don't want to be this person anymore. Will you, will you hold me? And we both said yes to that. We, we gave each other an opportunity to be like, okay, wow. Like crying and being held as little William or little Cassie felt really healing. It felt really good. And to be able to honor each other in that way um, really excited me to be more curious about how further I can go with that. And since then, uh, you know, everything from burning my foot in a fire because of a mushroom experience to, you know, uh, revisiting uh, three generations separate from me in an ayahuasca journey, Cass has always been there on the other end to go, okay, so where are you? What do you need? Where's next? She knows that she knows there's always a where's next because I can't stop. So it's like, she's just there. So, you know, five years ago, I really got an opportunity to sit down and be shown, you know, little William is part of me, you know, and I'm not going to disassociate from him anymore because if I disassociate from him and treat him as that separate person, 
then I'm not crediting the the capital I self now, right? Like the, the capital capital version of who I am becoming every single day. I'm discrediting the work that I'm doing each day because he's the one that strengthens me. He's the one that I know if I do need to sit down and cry or, you know, say some outrageous stuff in a journal or sit in a conversation with Cass and, and talk or yourself, like the, the tribe that we've created, I know it's okay. And, and so that, that has been, uh, you know, very transformative and it still is my yard post, so to speak. Super cool. So Bill, you mentioned something just now that, you know, it's okay. And that's a concept that I've been meandering on recently, being okay with what is. And I'd love for you to touch on how facing your trauma, facing your alpha male programming, et cetera, has prepared you for the unfolding events of 2020, 2021. Oh, yeah. Um, it hasn't come easy. Like it has been, I've experienced countless obstacles and challenges uh, in the last two years uh, that would, I would assert, um, test my application to being a healer, breathwork practitioner, leader, coach, mentor, friend, like it's tested all aspects of my being uh, because we're not, I was thinking about this the other day, we, we don't have a choice anymore. You know, like it's, it's, ha- it's happening. Like this change, this, this evolutionary step that we're about to step into, and I'll speak more in detail to that, we are moving out of a society that are, uh, can I swear? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> we are moving out of a society that are fucking yes men to people who are starting to be like, hang on a minute, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't seem right. Yeah, no shit. It's been happening for centuries. But there are more and more people who are getting tangible results to see progression in, in going, hang on. When I ask a question and I say, no, 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 that doesn't feel right. I am actually getting an answer that I am not satisfied with. And I get the opportunity to go, well, I need to change that or I want to change that. Now, the, the advantage, I guess, that I had in, in growing up in that alpha dominant environment is competitiveness, right? Like it was like kill or be killed at growing up. Like I played professional soccer all my life. Um, and I joined the military and excelled in the military. I was a rat, like I am what Australians would call a rat bag. I was always in trouble in the military because I was just like an outlier, so to speak, but not a good one because I like had no cause. It was just like be a rebel for being a rebel. But, you know, I was, I was competitive. And so my yearning to be competitive still is my yearning to want to see change and to want to make change. And if it rubs up the wrong way to some people, I usually rub a little harder. If it goes against the grain, good. I'm going to push a little harder because to me, it's a very stubborn and and arrogant part of me, but it's serving me well and my ego well is I'm not okay with the outdated ways that society is. I am not okay that you tell me that I have to wear a mask because you're telling me my nervous system is not adequate enough to, to create a, a system of immunity to fight off against something that I potentially don't believe in. I'm not okay with that. So why am I going to stop and just do what you say because you say it? 
you know so and that's one example and, and more than happy to talk about that but that's just one example you know why is it not okay for me to tell another man that i love him because you say it's not fuck you how about that you know like it's there's there's a bit of arrogance that comes with it but i feel it's important in this in this time to be you know very steadfast in delivering this this character building <laughs> process I would love to go back and discuss this aspect of losing our autonomy and this aspect of being told what to do and how to deal with it, because it's very triggering for me, for lack of a better term. I'm very activated when somebody tells me what to do. And when somebody gives me, tells me that I need to sacrifice myself because I'm a self-sacrificing person as it is. I want to, you know, give them the middle finger and say, go take care of yourself and I'll take care of myself. And then we can come back and love each other. Now, what do you think the biggest challenge that we light workers are facing now and will continue to face in this dystopian society (laughs) transformation (laughs) (laughs) i holding out holding our position holding our position and something that has been present for me is knowing that people aren't going to be there yet and they may get there and that's okay and holding space for them too because that's that's what we are you know as healers and, and light workers or people that are consciously choosing to you know explore their own thought models it's important that we do hold space for everyone and we do have compassion for everyone because we only know what we know right like if if we've if we've had 30 years of a school curriculum telling us that this is how you do long division and now all of a sudden someone's questioned it and we know another way of how to do long division well there needs to be a period of acclimation right there needs to be a level of education to be like hey this is how you do long division and this is why we do it this way now and this is how it can be affected this way like there's a level there's a a duration of acclimation that needs to occur and so having compassion and love for the people that aren't there yet um and and space to hear why people are scared and and why there is fear present like that is the challenge we're going to face going forward because it is becoming more and more uh, open, the shit that is going on in the world, right? Like here in Australia, we actually have advertisements on radios that says, if you go get your second dose, you can go into the draw to win a brand new car. How appealing is that? In an economy that has just been kicked in the dick People have lost jobs. People have lost businesses. Potentially the banks have come and taken people's cars away. And you're telling me I have the opportunity to actually potentially get a new car. Hell yeah, I'll go get another dose. How appealing does that sound? Because we've just spent 30 years of a system telling us this is how things need to be. We've just been conditioned for the last 30 years. This is how things need to be. So it's holding our position and being okay that not everyone's going to agree. And that it's going to ruffle feathers. And that's, that's okay. That's important. Immediately when you just told me about that advertisement, my chest got really tight. My <laughs> eyes wanted to well up. My whole body started tingling. So checking in with where I just felt around that. We have similar advertisements in the U.S. The, what I'm seeing in the U.S. 
is a lack of understanding what's happening around the world. So many people I know had no idea that Australia was under lockdown. So many people had no idea of the fact that you couldn't go more than five kilometers from your house in Melbourne for a period of time. I believe that's lifted since. And that's difficult because what we see, do you know the poem? um, And then they came for me. It's a, yeah, it's a World War II poem. Um, I have to remember who who wrote it and I'm silly for not remembering right now. Um, A little background, Bill, is I was raised Jewish. So all of that generational trauma, that generational, that generational um, storytelling, the the Jews were this, the Jews that, it's ingrained in me. And so then to see this happening and to know you and to have many other Australian friends who are who did experience such an intense quarantine and lockdown that did not make sense and have the police brutality that you were experiencing as well and then in america for people to say that's never going to happen here that's never going to happen here until it's on their doorstep yep and that's where we're headed and that's what part of what this is about having these conversations and and getting people to not getting people inspiring people to listen by listening And one of the issues that we're having is this lack of education, is the fact that we are not just uneducated, but purposefully uneducated, purposefully taught incorrect history in order to, in in order to gaslight us to our reality being different, right? And to make us stupid so we comply. That's Mm -hmm. what's been happening in our education system. So... And it, that is included in how we view health and mental health and spiritual health. So where do you find your education? Where do you self-educate in order to grow your perspective? There's a lot of uh, like common sense prevails. For me, common sense prevails all the time. Um, and I mean that with the, the intention that we as human beings are very intuitive some more than others and the some that are more than others is women are uh, more often than not more intuitive than men are so common sense prevails but i'll talk to that point of australia as well um to caveat that uh, new south wales this state that i'm in currently i didn't live in new south wales i lived in victoria at the time which had harsh lockdowns melbourne's in victoria and they uh new south wales had, has just gone through like a 12 to 14 week lockdown to where they weren't allowed to travel. Um, they mandated face masks everywhere. There's QR codes. You got to check in everywhere. And in fact, now businesses are allowed to open back up, but um, patrons are, are only allowed to visit if they are single or double vaxxed. If you're not vaccinated, you're not allowed to go and use businesses in the local area. Now that is true. Uh, the, the police brutality side of the conversation, I want to, I want to make this very evident. Every single uh, interaction I've had with uh, authorities here in Australia has been pleasant, very, very pleasant. And it has been pleasant because of the way that I conduct myself in the conversation. They too are humans experiencing something that I imagine they disagree with to some degree because I'm seeing videos here and there on social media where there are coppers throughout Australia who are completely against this whole thing, right? And so... I imagine there is a greater percentage of police authorities that disagree with what is occurring, yet they are being told they have to do their job. And this is their livelihood. Like they're, they're police. They earn a living by being a police officer. 
and they don't know anything else. Just like we as humans don't know anything else other than what we've been told, that is what they know. And now they're being told that they have to put something in their body, otherwise they lose their jobs. Uh, frontline workers as well, nurses, doctors, uh, hospital workers, paramedics, ambulance, firefighters, all of them being told this. So the interactions I've had with authorities has been great and they are very open. I am very educated with the way that I talk to them. In fact, I bring up things that they're like very intimidated about. And the reason I know this is because they start to retract. There's bits of like neuro-linguistic programming that I implement when I do it. It's very sneaky and very foolish sometimes, but I do it on purpose. And I see them like go into this shell. So I'm moving closer and I get close to them so that they can feel my energy. I'm not a threat, right? I might be covered in tattoos and big spaces in my ears, whatnot, but I'm not a threat. I'm the most sweetest human being there is. And so I have these conversations. I engage in the conversations. Uh, so that's been my experience with the police and my experience in traveling or being locked down. Um, I've not noticed much different, you know, have I had stress at moments to where I was like, Oh, if we cross the border, this might happen. Yes. Because I have kids. I have kids in the car and I don't want them to be caught up in the middle of anything or a, a lack of emotional intelligence on the police's behalf. I don't want that to occur. So there has been stress, but nothing has changed. The thing that hasn't changed to talk to your point um, about the, the Jewish lineage and the story and narrative that is kept in that they use the day that they opened up this state, they called it freedom day. When was the last time that you heard, terminology like that right who's who's coming to liberate us no one guys we've got to liberate ourselves where i find my education is common sense i know enough about the human body to explore what we can and can't do in healing our bodies right there is a level of western medicine that is needed for acute trauma 100 support that and there are professionals that can facilitate that i support that now especially with my burnt foot <laughs> and the medicine I've had to take for that. Um, but the, the way that I educate myself is to question, first and foremost, the first principle thinking around what is happening in society. I know that there is a level of uh, economic growth that all the countries need to meet because they've gone into relationships with pharmaceutical entities, right? I, I've seen data or literature on the internet where we all get our information that that seems you know too outrageous not to be true and so if the government's getting into bed with pharmaceutical companies or entities who run the world then it makes sense that what they're going to do is try and get the best bang for their buck and say you know everybody needs to be vaccinated because we invested this amount they got to justify why they spent that much money okay that makes sense so then you start questioning all other avenues well why would i need to wear a mask if I'm not showing flu-like symptoms and I know that my nervous system's healthy because I eat organic foods. I do breathwork meditation every day. I get in the sun and get my body out. I exercise. I spend my time with really healthy, good people. Why would I need to wear a mask? Because I can transmit something. How am I going to transmit something if it doesn't exist in me already? Like, so there's a level of common sense to which I would educate myself with, but it comes from knowing the body as well and questioning the narrative. Why? why why <laughs> like just keep asking why and don't be satisfied with an answer <laughs> 
I am deeply unsatisfied with the answers that I've been getting. And my journey has been tapping into that downregulation, mm-hmm. getting back to breath, really feeling where I'm at. So let's bring us back to your mission. Let's bring this back to your revolution. Tell me about Project Light. Tell me about Inflow and tell me about Breathcast. What are these projects and how do they relate to this massive shift we freaking need in the world? <laughs> yeah. And that's therein lies the evidence for the downregulation is these conversations are having everybody's having them like you catch up with friends and family finally because they're happy to leave the house it's about this people are still down uh, up regulated and so what i what i'm building uh is this ecosystem right to tell somebody who hasn't experienced it before i'll use you as an example sammy uh and please please pull me up if i'm i'm not going down the right road but uh being of uh jewish bloodline Uh, there is going to be a level of trauma present in your DNA based upon the, um, the events that have occurred for the Jewish population over time, right? Which is to say you're going to carry a level of physical and emotional and spiritual trauma that doesn't belong to you. The reason you have it is because your genes have been signaled from your predecessors, from your parents, from your grandparents, from your great grandparents. And it comes through the forms of many things. I call it, uh, polylinguistic therapy where we have many languages of teaching each other a way of doing things controversially and most importantly uh, as an individual perspective i don't believe in predisposition of sickness or or disease okay and that's my personal opinion and the reason i don't is because what i'm experiencing in the research that i'm gathering through working with case studies and now wanting to push this further with project light is that all disease present in the people that I have been working with has come from some sort of gene signaling to do with a narrative, not to do with anything else. Can we pinpoint and say that, you know, dad had uh, diabetes, so I'm going to have diabetes? No. The reason we can pinpoint and show uh, evidence-based research to say that dad had diabetes, now I'm going to be more uh, inclined to get diabetes is because of exactly that. My dad had it. So I'm going to have it. And everybody in the family is going to be like, you're going to get diabetes because your dad had it. Now you say that to someone for so long, their nervous system is going to start to believe it. You tell somebody they are something for so long, they're going to start to believe it, which is why gaslighting works. Because you tell somebody they are something for so long, they're going to believe it, whether it's true or not. And their biology is going to change shapes in order to pick up the behavior and patterns of the thing that they got told that they were. So to bring it back to this example of the Jewish um, bloodline, that is what has been present through the studies and the evidence-based research that Gabor Mate has done with Holocaust survivors and how it has become present. What I'm trying to build here is an ecosystem to where we can have a conversation right back at the beginning. So if someone says to me and goes, hey, Will, uh, you're going to do breath work and heal some disease? Yeah, right. Well, okay, it seems a bit far-fetched. There needs to be some sort of entry-level conversation. Breathcast. Five episodes a week, you get to show up and be guided by yours truly through a five to 15 minute breath practice. What does that do? Down regulates the system. Not only that, what else has it done, Sammy? You and Sean were doing it together the other day. It's bringing people together, you know, and, and we're creating in and around that, we're creating a business model to where we can incorporate uh, B2B more than B2C. So business to client, more business to business where we can get communities involved so that more people get it, right? So that's the entry-level conversation. 
what that feeds into now is inflow this certification that i've created to teach coaches across the world all types of coaches and i have all types of coaches right now um to teach them how to regulate the nervous system that's what it's about regulating the nervous system seeing through the bullshit to be able to get our bodies to respond the way that we want them to respond you know i have a gentleman at, currently in class two who uh his primary focus has been to support his wife through birth with breath work that was his primary focus and he did that during the, the class and then now his primary focus is to show up and regulate his household by bringing the energy down and bringing the tempo down with breath and new ways of living. And so teaching these coaches uh, gives us more opportunity to have more people in more locations, having more conversations. I imagine the five students I have right now may do another 10 podcasts in a year's time. All of a sudden, this world has exploded more and it's been exposed more to this breathwork thing. And then finally, the, the last piece of the puzzle is Project Light. Uh, to where I'm filming a documentary next year. Uh, I will be running across Australia from the most Western point that I can find uh, to the most Eastern point that's accessible. Uh, it's over four and a half thousand kilometers of running. And what I'm doing along the way is talking to the veteran and first responder community to where we can start acknowledging a level of um, education that needs to be present for identity shifts changing from a military and, and service-like mindset to now a civilian mindset to where I can learn how to be human again. And once again, that's regulating the nervous system and learning about how to be. And so I'll be uh, hosting a, a series of uh, um, segments on the documentary itself to where I'll have guests join me uh, and we'll, we'll get their story on the, on the platform to where they have the mic, they get to talk about their story. Um, and along the way, we're going we're gonna to run some workshops as well. That's, that's the big thing. And, and it comes around to my unreasonable goal of wanting to heal the world from trauma. This is the best way that I know how to do it. I love the unreasonable goal. It's such a big part of the mission here, right? And in this tribe that you and I are both in. And one of the difficulties of these unreasonable goals is the disappointment when they feel just out of reach. And now I'd like to bring this conversation back to interacting with people who disagree with us. That, you know, what we're seeing is a whole bunch of people who are fully reliant on the government and fully reliant on the narrative and the doctors and the quote science that's being pushed because that's what's safe. It's safe to blame others. It's safe to give up responsibility and it's safe to hand to someone else. So for people listening who might have those kinds of relationships in their lives where they see someone is suffering and struggling but refuses to take responsibility, what is that first step that you take in order to relate to that person and guide them to that next step, even though they might not think they're ready? Mm -hmm. uh, trust, first and foremost, to have a connective conversation with somebody and, and really listen to somebody, there needs to be a level of trust. That comes with familiarity, uh, relativity. It comes with association. Uh, and then the second thing I always introduce is, what do you want? Like, what do you want to do, B? You know, like in the military, you get issued a personality, essentially. I joined when I was 16 and nine months, went to recruits at 17. Uh, by the time I was 21, like I had already been around the world doing uh, sport in the military, 
visiting different countries, associating with uh, different nations in military. I got given a personality. Like I grew up in the military. So when, in, when I was 27 and I was actually asked to leave the military, I was like, well, fuck, who am I to be then? Right? Like, who am I without this thing? Like, there's no military out here in the civilian world. Like, people don't know what I've done or what I'm being or anything. But there was no education there to support that transition. And so if someone had come to me and said, hey, Will, what do you want to do, man? Like, who do you want to be? And at that point, I actually may have had an idea of like, oh, well, I, I don't know. I want to run a business. Cool. Well, this is how you get to do it. Here's the education on how to do it. Here's the steps you can take in order to succeed in doing so. And so, yeah, it's building that trust and then being like, what do you want to do? Like, don't leave the military and go back to a nine to five. Like, you're not going, like, and we don't even have to use the military. We can utilize relationships. We can utilize uh, family containers and systems. Don't get out of it and get back into the same thing somewhere else. Like, it's, it's not going to serve you. It's about being, being able to check in and being like, okay, well, I just got out of this. For me, I got out of this abusive relationship, this marriage where we were abusive to each other physically and emotionally and spiritually. What do I want to be? Well, I know I don't want to be in that anymore. Negation acknowledged and accepted. Like, I don't want to be in that anymore. Well, what do I want? Okay, well, I want to be in a loving relationship. I want to be in a relationship where I'm intimately attracted to my partner, where I enjoy being around them. Like, and the same is said for these identities everywhere else, right? Like, so if you do know, if like for the people listening, if you do know somebody or you've experienced it yourself and you're wondering how, what, it is as simple as being like, go listen, go sit with someone and say, hey, what do you want? Because it appears or I notice that you're not doing what you want to be doing. Right. So it's, that's important. It's important. We do those things and have those conversations. It's so important. And the phrase that I've been pondering on this week and really journaling about is what does it mean to be the light? Mm. What does that actually mean? What does it mean to be the change we wish to see in the world? All of these you know, overused phrases that we see and that are in the, the spiritual world, what are the actions we can take? Mm -hmm. And what I love about what you said is listening because so much of us, the, the people who are screaming and the people who are protesting and the people who are angry on social media, like myself, we're going, why is nobody listening? Somebody hear me screaming, somebody listen. So how do we get other people to listen is we listen ourselves. So I love what you, what you just said about that. Is there any other questions that you wished that I asked you? <laughs> no, your questions were beautiful today. Sam. I will touch on that last part, that be the light. Cause that is the, um, I now know that it's actually the call sign for training camp for soul, but it was actually the call sign I put for the documentary as well. And then the book that I'm writing called light and it's about being the light. And my experience with that, uh, especially previously, I was, uh, I was being uh, trolled by some military individuals, individuals of the military that I'd served with uh, attempting to call me out. Right. And there was this notion that, I'm not a wounded 
you know, war hero or decorated soldier or anything. So therefore I have no right to be attempting to do what I'm doing. And I want to make that uh, drastically clear in being the light. I'm not a decorated war hero. I've not uh, fired my rifle downrange at anybody else and not received return fire. Okay. I'm not that type of soldier, airman or sailor. I am a person that dedicated almost half of all of my adulthood to the military to be of service to the country to which I believed in at the time and the mission and the purpose to which I believed in. And in that time, I experienced a series of events uh, that, yes, definitely left some trauma, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Now, being the light to me isn't about talking from a place where I've been to war and shot people. It's not about that because the war beyond the war, which is what the documentary is, the war beyond the war, is the shift of identities. It's the shift in psychology. And in actual fact, the people that I know who have put bullets down range and received bullets back are actually more conditioned to receiving the bullets emotionally because that's what they're trained to do. That's what they're trained to believe. And so it's not until the war's over and the job's over and we come home and we change from that identity to this identity that the real war begins. And that's where I've chosen to put my foot in and say, hey, there's an educational piece here that we're missing and it's affecting our populations across the world. Suicide in the veteran and first responder community is drastically increasing every single year that we have. And especially now that COVID has hit as well. And so there is an educational piece that in being the light is putting it out there. And some people have tried to call me out. You're not a wounded war hero. Fine, that's okay. But I've been through the transition of changing identities. And I know what happens and I can provide some information so that we can save some more lives. We can bring some more people home, you know? So being the light in that space, that that's, that's a good example of what it could mean, you know? This idea of identity shifting is one that I'm continuously intrigued by. And I, it's a lot of the work that I do. It's a lot of the work that I, I work on with my clients and continuously with myself. What is the identity I'm embodying today? What are the actions, beliefs, behaviors of that? That's part of what's driven me to really focus on my breathwork practice with Breathcast is, has been, I'm constantly working on my mental health. I am, and I I have the identity of somebody who prioritizes my health, my mental health, my physical health, my nervous system health. And I I'm so excited to continue to have these identity shift conversations and to hear of so many people spreading that message forward because so many people think that they're, they're stuck with their programming, that they're stuck with who they are. And the reality is we can change our nervous system. We can change our identity. We can change our life and we can change this narrative that's being put on us. We can move forward and change the world. So thank you so much for your work, William. It is, I'm continuously inspired by you. And I love being a student and a friend and a sister to you. Oh, I received that fully. Thank you. So where can the revolutionaries who are listening to this find you? Uh, you can find me at Instagram uh, at William NJB. Uh, I'm there. I'm usually dropping some sort of educational piece three times a week. Uh, we have a breathcast Instagram as well, which is at breathcast underscore underscore. And then, yeah, if you want to uh, learn about some breath work or, or introduce yourself to a practice, we have a 14 day free trial on breathcast at breath. Uh, it's www.breathcast.co. 
and um, yeah, you try it out for two weeks and just and see what it brings, what changes you can bring to your life. You know, that's that's what it's about. It's about making um, you know continuous changes and amendments to your current state in order to get further towards where you want to be going. We're not outcome driven. There's no there's no end point, right? Like. The, we are born into this life with an inhale we leave with an exhale and everything in between is occurring right now so what do you want to do before your final exhale thank you so much bill and i want to continue to connect with myself and with others and i am so honored to be connecting with you today revolutionaries who are listening take a look in the show notes and go ahead and start that 14-day free trial for BreathCast. It is a part of my daily routine, and I know that it will be just the thing you need to help you downregulate and start every morning with breath. If you have any questions for Bill or myself, you know exactly where to find us on the social medias. Thank you all so much for listening. It is an honor to be hosting this podcast for you all. And if you wouldn't mind just taking one minute to download, rate, review, and subscribe to this episode, it would mean the world to me. Thank you so much. And until next time, revolutionaries.